the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. I'm Kyle Welch. We are here every weeknight at this time on KKLA to lift up the name of Jesus Christ so that the entire world might believe. Sharing the gospel is our number one goal and the reason we are here. Dudley Rutherford is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, located right here in Los Angeles. During these days of uncertainty, we believe this is the perfect time to turn off what the world wants to tell us and immerse ourselves in what God has to say to us through the Holy Bible. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message for us tonight. 500 years ago, a German monk, priest, in a Catholic church by the name of Martin Luther in a little tiny town called Wittenberg, Germany, for the sake of discussion purposes, he nailed on the door of the Roman Catholic Church in Wittenberg, a church called the Castle Church, 95 statements or theses of things that he felt needed to be discussed in the Roman Catholic Church, again, of which he belonged. He was a priest in the church. Several years ago, my youngest daughter, Carrie, she was traveling with the Heritage Christian Choir, and we went to Wittenberg, and that choir got to sing inside the church. My daughter and I had our picture taken outside the church on those famous doors where Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses for the sake of discussion. Little did he know that those 95 statements would go viral, so to speak, and become the start and the beginning of what we know now today as the Reformation movement. Now, probably besides the moment that Jesus died on the cross and was buried and resurrected, and back in Acts chapter 2 when the church began 2,000 years ago, perhaps the most significant moment in Christianity in the last 2,000 years is that moment on October 31st, the year 1517. It is my belief that many of us would not be here today without the events that unfolded on October 31st, 1517. I want to encourage you to read up on the life of Martin Luther. Uh, He, like all men, he was not a perfect man. Uh, One book that I'm reading right now is by Eric McTaxis. This book just came out. Eric is a phenomenal writer. And there are many things that you can read about Martin Luther. The opening illustration, the very first illustration in this book, speaks to the influence of Martin Luther. He tells in this story in the introduction of an African-American minister from, uh, from Georgia in the year 1934, an African-American minister, a Baptist pastor from Georgia, got on board a ship and sailed to what he calls the trip of a lifetime 
And he went across the Atlantic and went to the Holy Land. After the Holy Land, he came back to Berlin, Germany, because there was an international conference for Baptist pastors. This pastor, his name was Michael King. And Michael met and was introduced to the Reformation man who started all that, Martin Luther. And he was so impressed and so fell in love with the Reformation movement that he decided to change his name from Mike King to Martin Luther King. He comes back to the United States of America. He's got a little five-year-old son named Mike King Jr. And he decides to rename his own son Martin Luther King Jr., And now you know the rest of the story of how he got his name. And Martin Luther King Jr., those who knew him, those that were in his inner circle, up to the day he died, all of his friends called him Michael. But we know him as Martin Luther King Jr., who was named after Martin Luther, the church reformationist there in the year 1517. Such is his influence. Number one, write this down. Martin Luther reformed the church. 500 years ago, there was only one church. The good, the bad, and the ugly, there was only one church, the Roman Catholic Church. Now, today, in this crowd, look around, we've done surveys, one-third of this church, one-third of this church come out of Roman Catholic background. But it's a, factual, it's a factual truth that in that time period, there was only one church, the Roman Catholic Church. Now today, there are tens of thousands of different churches and tens of thousands of different denominations. And oftentimes, it's very confusing to people. Like, what, what's the deal with all these different kinds of churches? And which church and which denomination is the right denomination? I don't really want to answer that question for you today, except... I do want to tell you this story. This guy, he's going he's gonna, to uh, end his life, and he's going to jump off a bridge and, and kill himself. And a guy walks by and goes, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And the man says, why not? And the passerbyer says, well, because there's so much to live for. And the man says, like what? And the man, the passerbyer turns and says, let me ask you, are you religious or are you an atheist? And the man says, I'm religious. And the man says, I am too, me too. He goes, are you Jewish or Christian? He goes, well, I'm a Christian. He goes, me too. Are you Catholic or Protestant? He goes, well, I'm Protestant. He goes, me too. He goes, are you you Episcopalian or are you Baptist? He goes, well, I'm Baptist. He goes, me too. He goes, are you Baptist Church of God or are you Baptist Church of the Redeemed? (laughs) The guy says, I'm the Baptist Church of God. He goes, me too. He goes, are you the original Baptist Church of God or are you the reformed Baptist Church of God? He goes, I'm the original Baptist Church of God. He goes, me too. Then he goes, are you the reformed Baptist Church of God 1915 or are you the reformed Baptist Church of God 1879? Which is it? He goes, I'm the reformed Baptist Church of God 1915. He goes, jump, you heretic. (laughs) What does that illustrate? 
Well, that there's tens of thousands of different denominations and we spend most of our time just arguing amongst ourselves. The Center for Global Christianity states today that there are 45,000 different denominations in the world today. Methodists, Baptists, Lutherans, Episcopalians, Southern Baptists, Independent Baptists, Presbyterians, Calvary Chapels, Nazarene, Foursquare, Evangelical Free Church of God, Worldwide Church of God, First AME Church, Pentecostals, etc. All debating upon which one is the correct one. But back in 1517, there was only one church. Go back 2,000 years to the cross. You can read about when the church began. It began in Acts chapter 2. It took about 300 years for Christianity to evolve into Roman Catholicism. And I want you to know that for a thousand years, there was nothing but Roman Catholics in the West. Martin Luther, he was a priest in the Roman Catholic Church. He works for the Roman Catholic Church. He's ordained in the Roman Catholic Church. And he writes out this 95 thesis, 95 statements that he only wants to have discussions. Let's talk about it. There's nothing wrong with talking about stuff, right? Let's talk about it. And some people think that he was the one who actually nailed it to the door of the church. Most scholars don't think he was actually the one who actually nailed it to the door of the church. Back in those days, the church was the central gathering place for the whole community. And really, the front door of the church was like a bulletin board. If you were going to have a garage shell, you'd go put that on the church door because that's where the bulletin board was. But he wrote these 95 things out. He gave it to someone who was supposed to to make copies and give it to the scholars of the day. And someone probably within two weeks got a hold of it and, and nailed those things to that door in that castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. Now, there were many things wrong with the church back in those days. Thus is why he wrote these 95 statements. They had many discussions. There were many debates. He was happy about that. But eventually, you'll understand why later, the Roman Catholic Church excommunicated him. The Roman Catholic Church kicked him out of the Roman Catholic Church. But what you need to know is when he wrote them, he wasn't trying to leave the Roman Catholic Church. He wasn't trying to destroy the Roman Catholic Church. No. What he wanted was to reform the Roman Catholic Church, and to get them to go back to where they started, to the original roots that were found in the Scriptures in the book of Acts. Again, he wasn't trying to destroy or leave the church. He was trying to help the church. But the church, the Roman Catholic Church, excommunicated him and kicked him out of the church in 1517. He then becomes what we know today as the head of the Lutheran denomination named after him but that's where the baptist and the presbyterians and the methodists and the wesleyans and all the other denominations they all came from the events of 1517 and drumroll that's where this church comes from this church the roots of this church come from the events of 1517 when he broke off so to speak from or really got excommunicated from the roman catholic church And all he was trying to do was say, hey, let's go back to where the church, what the church was like when it began. In Acts chapter 2, you can read it some other time, 
People by the thousands came, they repented and were baptized for the forgiveness of the sins, they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says they devoted themselves to four things. Number one, to the teaching of the Word of God. Number two, to fellowship. Number three, to the breaking of bread, which we know is communion, which we did here today at church, and to praying. And I always tell people this, go back to the cross. Everybody say, go back to the cross. Don't be offended by what I'm getting ready to say to you. If you go back to when the church began, there were no Baptists, there were no Presbyterians, there was no Episcopalians or Lutherans, don't be offended by this, there were no Catholics 2,000 years ago, there were only quote-unquote Christians, that's all there were, were Christians. Acts chapter 11 verse 26, it says that the disciples in Antioch were first called Christians. That's all there were. Again, it took about 300 years, though, for, for Christianity to evolve into Catholicism. Then the whole world was Catholic for about 11, 1200 years until Martin Luther was excommunicated based on these 95 principles from which he was simply trying, he was not trying to get rid of the church, he was just trying to reform and get it to go back to its roots. The church that's found in the Word of God. And that's why churches like this church exist. People ask me all the time, what kind of church do you have? I tell them we're just a New Testament church. We're not affiliated with any denomination. We're simply studying the Word of God and trying to be the church that Jesus called us to be according to these scriptures. <laughs> Number two. Second thing he reformed were the scriptures. Scriptures. It's very important that in 1517, let me, let me ask you this question. How many of you are in church today? <laughs> Ma'am, I need to see your hand. Okay. <laughs> I'll make sure you're with me. You with me? You with me? Let me ask you again. How many of you are in church today? Okay, so let me get this straight. You live in L.A. Things are crazy in L.A., right? But you came to church? Yes. Okay, let me ask you this question. Be honest. You're the type of person, you're the type of person that went to church today. Okay, now be honest. Do you think if you lived in the year 1517, 500 years ago, you'd be the type of person that went to church? What do you think? You're here today. You think maybe you'd have been in church in 1570? Raise your hand if you think you went to church back then. Just, go, just be honest, be honest, okay? Let me tell you what church was like 500 years ago. Number one, the service lasted for six hours. <laughs> now, how many of you are not so sure? You're not so sure. <laughs> Number two, this is very important, you get this. The entire six hours was in Latin. And you don't understand anything in Latin. You, you did not know, you did not speak Latin. You spoke the German language. So you'd go to church for six hours. You'd sit there the whole service. You wouldn't understand one word that was said. No one would have a Bible because no one had Bibles back in those days. There was only one Bible in the whole church. And it was up on the platform. It was actually chained to the pulpit. 
And the only person that could read that Bible was the priest. And you wouldn't understand a single word he said. That's what church was like. Martin Luther begins to study the scriptures and he reaches a couple of conclusions. Write this down, number one. He decides that people need to have a Bible in their own language. And the second thing he, said, he decides is that the Bible is a practical book that we should use not just to teach words, we should use it to apply what we learn to our everyday living. See, what good is the Bible? What good is this book if you learn it, but you never apply it to everyday living? And so Martin Luther was like the first guy who would ever read the Scripture, and then he would take it and apply it to what you were going through today. Okay? For example, he would uh, preach through the book of Genesis, and he would tell the story of Abraham sacrificing his one and only son. Remember, Abraham had to take his son and climb up on this mountain and sacrifice his son on the altar? Remember that story? And during that time in Germany, there was a plague going through Germany where, where many people were dying left and right, and people were scared to death. Almost every family had at least one family member who had died in the plague. Martin Luther was the first guy. He would tell the story of Abraham and how afraid and how fearful Abraham must have been taking his son up to that altar to sacrifice, but his faith overcame his fear. And so he would then tell the church, whatever you're afraid of in this plague, you don't need to be fearful if you have faith. Your faith will overcome your fear. He was the first pastor to preach like that. He took the scriptures and made them come alive. And so he does, uh, he starts to study and, and he translates the Bible into the German language. And at the exact same time, if you look at history, that was the invention of the printing press. And so for the first time, people, the, the common people, not just the priest, but the common people could actually have scriptures in their own native language and actually study for everyday life. Amen? The third thing that he reformed was salvation. Write that down. Everybody say salvation. Okay, now this is the most important part. So if you got offended those first two things, let that go. And zoom in. Everybody say zoom in. Zoom in on point three. Now, you, you have to give me, I have to give you the background. Number one, remember that for a thousand or eleven hundred years, all the people had was a Latin Bible. That's all they had. So you would come to church and really not understand anything that was being said. Number two, part of the church, the doctrine, the Roman Catholic Church, they taught what's a thing called purgatory. Purgatory. What in the world is purgatory? Purgatory is when you die, and everybody's going to die, amen. The Roman Catholic Church taught that when you die, you go to, you don't go straight to heaven. You go to what's called a holding cell, and it's, it's a place that you go, you died, now you're in purgatory. And uh, if you died and you have sins, which we all have sins, you, you don't go to God until in purgatory your sins can be forgiven and the consequences of your sins can be removed when you're sitting there in purgatory before you go meet God. This was a part of the doctrine of the church. Now here's the third thing, write this down. 
They taught, this is true, you can study this, they taught the selling of indulgences. And what that means is that you would come to church and they would sell you little trinkets. You could buy them, like little bobblehead, uh, Dudley bobblehead dolls. (laughs) That was a joke. But they would have these trinkets that you could buy. Give me some money. I'll give you these trinkets. And what happens is we're selling indulgences. When you give me the money, the sins for your relatives that are in purgatory, their sins can be removed if you buy these trinkets. Now, how many of you have dead relatives? Raise your hand if you have dead relatives. You have dead relatives. You sure? I want new. We all, we all have dead relatives. And the Roman Catholic Church taught all those relatives are in purgatory. And you, if you have relatives like me, I've got some bad relatives. And I'm afraid that they're going to go to hell. So I go to church and I'm told that if you give me some money, I'll give you these trinkets. But the sins of your relatives that have died that are sitting down there in purgatory can be purified before they go see God. So you better get down here right now and buy these indulgences right now. That's what was being taught in all the churches. And there's a pope named Leo. Pope Leo the 10th. You can Google it. Don't do it now. And if you can't remember his name, Pope Leo, just think of the iPhone 10. The iPhone 10, Pope Leo the 10th. And Pope Leo the 10th commissioned the selling of indulgences for the purpose of building St. Peter's Basilica that is still in existence. I've been in this building maybe a dozen times. It is the most beautiful structure. It's a little little too much, but it's, it's amazing. And people come from all over the world to go in there, and that building was paid for by people buying trinkets. The money was used to build that building, but the people were told... If you buy this trinket, the sins of your relatives will be forgiven. That was what was going on when Martin Luther shows up on the scene. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every night here on KKLA. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message tonight has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-888. 818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. As Christians, we are often faced with trials, sorrows, and struggles of many kinds. Jesus never promised we would be free from tribulation once we become believers. However, God does show us through the wisdom of His Word how to overcome and even rejoice in the difficult times we are experiencing. 
Some of the most essential keys to a joyful Christian walk are found in the small New Testament book written by James, the brother of Jesus. In his book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, Pastor Dudley Rutherford takes you through a study of the book of James and shares the spiritual disciplines necessary to help you persevere as a believer, even during the most challenging times in your life. Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Call us right now so we can get this powerful resource into your hands. Our toll-free number is 888-818-4777. You will learn the powerful tools to encourage you in your faith, how to extend Jesus' love to others, and walk with Him daily with a smile. Our number again is 888-818-4777. And when you call, ask for your personal copy of Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith. I'm Kyle Welch, thanking you for joining us. We'll be back again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.